All right, church, hope you have your Bibles with you as this morning we continue our new message series called You Asked For It. Uh, We've been fielding some of the most popular questions you've had about God, our faith, and the Bible. And as promised, today I will tackle the question that came in first place in your voting last week. But first, uh, we need to vote on next week's message. So we've got three great options for you. I'm excited about all three of these questions. And you get to pick your favorite question over the next 30 seconds. Question number one, how do I hear God's voice? Question number two, what are heaven and hell really like? And question number three, what does God think about suicide. Those are your questions one, two, and three. You've got 30 seconds to respond either on Facebook, live.greaterimpact.cc, or text one of our prayer counselors your favorite question you'd like me to tackle next week, number one, number two, or number three. 30 seconds, ready, set, go. Well done, everyone. Thank you so much for voting. Now we're going to tackle the question that came in first place in last week's voting. And here is that question. How can I know God's will for my life? Isn't that a great question? We're going to tackle that together over the next few minutes. So do make sure you have your Bibles on hand. I'm going to have you turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures today. Uh, we'll put most of those on the screen for you, but I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 13. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Hebrews 13 verse 20. For those of you like me that like to take notes when listening to a sermon, I encourage you to have a paper and a pen handy. That's great, a great way to allow God's word to really sink into our minds and our hearts. Uh, this last Tuesday was a really, really hard day for me and my family. Uh, Many of you over the years have had a chance to meet our sweet dog, Molly. Uh, Molly was uh, our our wonderful little Welsh corgi uh, that we've had over the past 12 years. Uh, There on the screen for you, you can see a picture of Haley when she was four years old holding Molly as a puppy right after we brought her home uh, from the breeder. And so we had this little puppy when we first got her. My oldest daughter, Kayla, was only six. Haley was only four. Uh, my third daughter, Grace, was only one at the time. And so they've grown up knowing Molly as their precious little dog. And so about uh, two weeks ago, a little over two weeks ago on a Friday, uh, we were watching TV in the family room, and Molly all of a sudden started to act strange. She was having a seizure. And so we rushed over and made sure that she was safe and wouldn't fall over and hurt herself. The next day, we took her over to an emergency vet, but because of the pandemic, uh, he didn't have enough time to see her. There were other dogs that seemed more severe that he needed to see first. And so that following Tuesday, we took her to our vet, and we gave her the x-ray, and we ended up giving her IV fluids and medications. But we saw over the last two weeks that her health was just quickly declining. She continued to have these seizures and she got to a point last Tuesday where she was laying on her side, frantically kicking 
all four of her legs, and she couldn't even stand up. She'd gotten to a point where she stopped drinking water. She was in pain. She couldn't even stand up on her own. And so my sweet daughter Haley, after we gave her one last meal of chicken and dessert, we gave her a popsicle. After that one last meal, Haley picked up Molly one last time and carried her to our van, and the six of us drove that long trip to the veterinarian's office for one last trip. And we said goodbye to Molly and buried her in our backyard this past week. And as you can tell, it was really hard for us. It was really hard. We think of Molly, we've had a lot of uh, pets in our home over the years. Uh, We've had more than our fair share of fish, our fair share of hamsters. At one point, we had a desert tortoise. Uh, We've even had a red-crested gecko. But we would say, hands down, that Molly was the best pet we ever had. She was a member of our family. And if you were to ask anyone in my family, they would agree to that statement. And they would say, you know what? God gave us Molly. We believe in our heart of hearts that there was a purpose for Molly's existence. God made her for our family. And I know that many of you have had pets you love. Uh, Maybe it was a dog, maybe it was a cat, maybe it was a bunny rabbit, but a, a pet that you would say, hands down, the best pet you ever had. That pet was a member of your family, and there's no doubt in your mind that God made that pet for you and your family. And so that makes today's question all the more perplexing for some people. Uh, Some of us really struggle. We believe that God has a purpose for our pets. To make us laugh, to make us smile, on occasion to drive us crazy, (laughs) to bring joy to our lives, and to love us unconditionally even when we act like jerks. We believe in our heart of hearts that God has a purpose for our, our pets. So it's perplexing when we struggle with not knowing God's purpose for me. Why do we know a purpose for a pet, but don't always know a purpose for our own lives? Uh, Doesn't the Bible say that I'm more important to God than a dog? Yes, it does. Uh, Doesn't the Bible say that I've got a higher purpose than a cat? Well, it doesn't specifically say that, but it certainly implies that you do have a higher purpose than a cat. Uh, Doesn't the Bible make it clear that God has a plan for us? Absolutely it does. Many of you would say that Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of your favorite verses. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So God does have a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. Great. So what is it? What is God's will for my life? I'm so glad that you asked that question. We'll tackle it together over the next few minutes. But before we tackle that question, we really need to uh, tackle and answer a, a more fundamental question. That more fundamental question is this. Does God have a plan for anyone's life? Does God have a plan for anyone's life? This is such an important question to answer uh, because if you don't believe that the Bible speaks clearly to this, that God absolutely has a plan for some people's life, then why even bother to address the more specific question, does God have a plan for my life? And so let's ask and answer that question, uh, looking at a few scriptures. Does God, in fact, have a plan for some people's lives? Well, King David, let's look at him first of all. 
Acts 13.36 says this, For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers. I, I love this verse. It is a great verse. Did God have a plan and purpose for David's life? The Bible answers with a resounding yes. Absolutely, God had a purpose and a plan for David's life. God orchestrated the chain of events that led to David being born on the day that he was born within the family he was born into. God gave him a clear purpose to carry out in his own generation. And guess what? David carried it out. David served God's purpose in his own generation. God called David to slay Goliath and David obeyed. He slew Goliath. God called David to serve obediently in King Saul's court. So David did just that. He served in King Saul's court. God called David to lead Israel in her battles, and he obediently did that. He led Israel in Israel's battles. And God called David to be king of Israel. In fact, the greatest king that Israel would ever have except for Jesus Christ himself. And David obediently did that. He was a man after God's own heart, and he obediently rose to become the greatest king of Israel. So David served God's purpose in his own generation, and I like how devotional writer A.W. Tozer says it. He writes, David was smart enough to serve God and his generation before he fell asleep. To fall asleep before we have served our generation is nothing short of tragic. It is a moral calamity to sleep without having first labored to bless the world. Isn't that good? I don't know about you, but I don't want to forget these words because they're so, so important. How dare I finish my life without first even attempting to fulfill God's purpose for me in my generation? I don't want you to forget these words because they are a key to understanding the answer to today's question. Don't forget these words. It is a moral calamity to sleep without having first labored to bless the world. Now, you may wrestle with some of the specifics of what God's will is for your life, but don't wrestle with this fact from the pages of God's Word. God has called you to be a blessing. God has called you to speak into other people's lives. God has called you to do things to love and serve and bless others around you. God has called you to live for a much higher purpose than you yourself. He's not called you to live for you. He's called you to live for him and for others. So God had a purpose and a plan for David's life. And God also had a plan and purpose for Moses' life. At the tender age of 80, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. And he revealed to Moses his purpose and his plan. God told him he wanted Moses to, to go back to Egypt uh, to lead his people from slavery into freedom in the promised land. And Moses obediently, yeah, he was stubborn, but he obediently uh, followed God's purpose and plan and carried it out. Similarly, God had a purpose and plan for Esther's life. Now, there she was in a palace there in Persia, wondering what her purpose and God's plan was for her. And uh, her cousin Mordecai spoke to her one day and said, point blank, who knows, but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. And so God revealed to her through her cousin Mordecai 
that God's purpose and plan for him, for her, I should say, God's purpose and plan was for her to speak up to the king. God had given her this wonderful privilege of being able to bend the king's ear because she was queen. She was able to bend the king's ear and and get him to pay attention to her plea for the lives of her people, the Jews. And because she boldly spoke up to the king and let him know that her people were slated for destruction just a few months later, she was able to rescue and save thousands of Jewish lives there in Persia because she obediently obeyed God's call upon her life, carrying out God's purpose and plan for her. So there you have it, David and Moses and Esther, just three examples of the dozens of men and women and even children in Scripture whose lives clearly had a God-given purpose and plan. So, are you convinced that God has a purpose and plan for at least some people's lives? Are you convinced? Good, because it's true. God certainly, without a doubt, has a purpose and plan for some people's lives. And you know what? The Bible makes it just as clear that he has a purpose and a plan for your life. He does. He has a purpose and plan for your life just as surely as he had a purpose and plan for David and and Moses and Esther's lives. In Jeremiah 29, 11, the verse I shared with you earlier, uh, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That was first spoken to the people of Israel when they were in captivity in Babylon, but it's a verse that applies to you as well. Psalm 139, 13 through 16, David writes, For you, O God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Before I was born, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I I can't tell you how many times I've shared that scripture uh, with someone uh, during a difficult season in their life. God created you. He knits you together in your mother's womb. How about Acts 17, verses 26 and 27? It says, From one man God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So I want you to to wrap your mind around this truth from Scripture. And I I believe that this is just a mind-blowing truth. It's certainly a mind-blowing truth for me. The creator of the whole universe had a purpose and plan for my life before I was ever a glimmer in my mama's eye. And the same is true for you. The creator of the entire universe had a purpose and a plan for your life before you were ever born. Doesn't that just blow your mind? Isn't that crazy? The one who created uh, Jupiter and Saturn and the sun and then Betelgeuse and these stars out in the universe that are uh, hundreds of times larger than our own sun. Uh, The God that crafted every little critter, every little animal, uh, every bird, every fish, uh, every molecule on planet Earth. He actually cares about you and knows you and knit you together in your mother's womb. Isn't that amazing? God knew you. And he had a plan and purpose for your life before you were even born. 
The fact that you are male and female is by design. Uh, God designed the way that you look. He designed your eye color and your hair color. They're by design. Your height and your build are by design. Your strengths and even your weaknesses are by design. God made you and knits you together as a beautiful creation inside your mother's womb. Before any person ever laid eyes on you, God saw you. And he established a purpose and plan for your life. God even planned for the exact time and place where you would be born. And it's not a surprise to him that you're living right where you are. Whether it's here in the Victor Valley or whether you're catching this message on the East Coast. Wherever you are, God knew you were going to be there and he had a plan for you to carry out his purpose and plan right there where you live. Doesn't that just blow your mind? Don't we serve an amazing God? He not only can manage the entire universe, he has a purpose and plan for your life. What an amazing reality. Now, let's tackle today's question head on. How can I know God's will for my life? Well, you can know God's will for your life by reading and learning God's word. If you want to know God's purpose and plan for your life, this is where you're going to find it. There's a reason people like to say the word Bible, B-I-B-L-E, stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. There's a reason we say that. This is our instruction manual for life. And as an added bonus, it doesn't just give us instructions. It lets us know what God's purpose and plan are for you and me. So the answer to your question of how can I know God's will for my life is... You can know God's will for your life by reading God's word, by reading his answer in the pages of scripture. And so you have to put some effort into it. There's no easy way to discover God's purpose and plan for your life. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to hunt for it a little bit in the pages of scripture. And so I'm going to give you a few verses over the next several minutes that will get you started on that hunt. And I'm going to talk to you about God's general purpose for your life, which is the exact same as God's general purpose for my life and for anyone sitting next to you. This is going to be, you know, just an introduction to God's purpose and plan for your life. But you're going to have to pick it up from where I leave off so that you can find God's specific answer to that question for you. It's going to take a little work. There are no shortcuts. So here are a few verses uh, to get us started today. I had you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. And so I'd like to read that for you, and we'll put it on the screen, but I want you to see it in the pages of your own Bible as well. And if you're comfortable uh, underlining in your Bible or putting an asterisk or highlighting in your Bible, uh, this is a section in Hebrews 13 that I have underlined in my Bible because I want to go back to it and not just forget it after this message today. So Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21 says, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is a great passage. It's a beautiful passage. 
And I want you to notice a few very important truths revealed in these verses. I'm going to put them on the screen for you here. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to quickly, feverishly write these down because these truths right here from Hebrews 13, 20, and 21 are really important. Truth number one, God doesn't give, excuse me, God doesn't just give you a purpose. He also equips you to carry out that purpose. Okay? God doesn't just give you a purpose. He also equips you to carry out that purpose. Truth number two from these verses. Your greatest accomplishments in this life will be the result of God working in you and through you. Your greatest accomplishments in this life will be the result of God working in you and through you. And then truth number three. Ultimately, God's will for your life is to bring him pleasure and glory. You catch that? Truth number three, ultimately God's purpose for your life is to bring him pleasure and glory. As Rick Warren says so well in the very first sentence of his book, The Purpose Driven Life, it's not about you. One of the most powerful first sentences of any book ever written, it's not about you. God's will for your life is to bring him pleasure and glory. Now let's chew on these three truths for just a few moments. Truth number one, God doesn't just give you a purpose. He also equips you to carry out that purpose. So you can take comfort in knowing that whatever God asks you to do, he will equip you to do. As has often been said, where God guides, he, many of you have heard that before, where God guides, he provides. Others of you have maybe heard this in the past mentioned by other Christians. A God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Amen. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So you don't have to live in fear worrying that God is going to call you to do all sorts of things that you're completely inept at doing. That's some of our fear. Oh no, God's going to call me next week to preach the sermon in front of a thousand people. Well, don't worry, there's a stay-at-home order. You won't be able to preach in front of a thousand people. But God will not ask you to do anything unless he equips you to do it with his strength, with his gifting, with his working in and through you. God won't guide unless he first provides. So you don't have to worry about God giving you things that you're completely inept at doing. And then look at truth number two. It indicates you won't be doing it alone. He he will be working in you. He will be working through you to carry out his purposes. That's great news, don't you think? Uh, It's great news. You might feel unable to bring God a pleasure and glory with your life, but God will equip you to do that. He'll equip you to bring him pleasure. He'll equip you to bring him glory if you let him. God wants to work in you. He wants to work through you to bring him pleasure and bring him much glory. Let me give you a few more scriptures. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Many of you probably have this memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own noggin. Oh, that's not exactly what it says. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Or as the old King James says, he will direct your paths. Remember these words from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Say that with me. Trust in the Lord. How about 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 18? It says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Remember these words from these verses. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Say that with me. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Okay? I have to remember to do that backwards so it comes across better on the screen. Rejoice and pray and give thanks. How about 1 Thessalonians 4.3? It says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Remember these words from 1 Thessalonians 4.3. Be sanctified. Okay? That word sanctified is another form of the word holy. So it's saying be made holy holy. Allow God to do his work in you to make you more and more like Jesus. Earlier I shared with you Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, uh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, uh, plans to give you hope and a future. Uh, we quote that verse a lot in Christian circles, but most of the time we ignore the next three verses. And so God does say, yes, I have plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But don't forget what it says in the next three verses. It immediately after that says, then you will call upon me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Isn't that great? The great theologian, Jonathan Edwards, spent years searching the pages of Scripture to answer this question, what is God's will for my life? And after hundreds, most likely thousands of hours of studying God's Word, he came to the conclusion that the Word of God boils down to two purposes for you and me. He came to the conclusion that God has two purposes for our lives. Number one, to bring God glory. And number two, to find our greatest pleasure in Him. Number one, to bring Him glory. Number two, to find our greatest pleasure in Him. And after all of this study, this theologian Jonathan Edwards came to the conclusion that these two purposes are actually one and the same. And so I love how Pastor John Piper summarizes the fusing together of these two purposes. John Piper says it this way, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Isn't that good? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. When we find our greatest joy in God, in loving Him, in serving Him, and carrying out His purposes... Oh, God is most glorified in us. So the bottom line is this. God's will for your life is for you to enjoy bringing Him pleasure and glory. That's why you were created. To enjoy bringing pleasure and glory to God. You were created to enjoy bringing pleasure and glory to God. If you're sitting in the room with someone right now, tell them this. You were created to enjoy bringing pleasure and glory to God. Go ahead and tell them. Take a moment. If someone said that to you, are you feeling encouraged? I know that I am. God created me. What an amazing thought. He created me to enjoy bringing pleasure and glory to Him. Well, as you open God's Word each day, 
to get to know Him better and learn His will for your life, guess what? The very act of learning God's Word and spending time with Him in His Word, that very act is God's will for your life. When you spend time with God in prayer, you're not just spending time with Him in prayer to get Him to answer those prayers or just to jump through some hoops of giving Him the token praise or thanks that you think He wants you to give Him. When you spend time with God in prayer, the very act of praying is God's purpose and plan for your life. When you prioritize attending a worship service on the Lord's Day, that is God's will for your life. When you trust in the Lord with all your heart and choose not to lean on your own understanding, that is God's will for your life. When you rejoice in all circumstances, that is God's will for your life. When you give of yourself to love and serve others, that is God's will for your life. When you trust Jesus Christ and love Jesus Christ and obey His commands, that is God's will for your life. Sometimes we think of this journey as getting us to this this end goal. Okay, God, uh, these are just things I have to do. I have to pray to get me to figure out what your purpose is for me. And so then it kind of gets me to that end goal. So then I can carry out your purpose. I I pray and I read your word and I go to church and I I do these things just to uh, get me to where I need to be, where I know your your purpose for me. Uh, We forget that the very journey itself is God's purpose for our life. The prayer itself, the, the, the study of God's Word itself, going to church and soaking in the teachings from God's Word, doing what we do, serving and, and loving others and, and carrying out those, those little tasks each and every day. One of my favorite quotes of all time from that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, man by the name of Brother Lawrence who was a, uh, a servant, a humble cook in a monastery in the 16th century. Uh, he penned these words as he worked there in the kitchen. He said, I turn my little omelet in the pan for the love of God. I, I love what Mother Teresa said about serving. He says, in order to show great love for God and others, we need not do great things. It's how much love we put into the doing that makes our offerings something beautiful to God. Some of us are thinking, what's this great, grand purpose for my life? Not remembering that the simple things we do each and every day, they in and of themselves can be God's purpose and plan for us. Oh, do not despise the small little things that you do every day as part of your faith. God is working in and through them to bring Him pleasure and bring Him glory. Here at Impact Christian Church, we summarize God's purpose and plan for you and for our church with three words, love, learn, and serve. That's after we've studied God's word, what we think it boils down to. How do we bring pleasure and and glory to God? By loving him. And we love him by loving people. By learning his word. Diving into His Word and getting to know Him better. Getting to know His his requirements, His commands for us better. And third, by serving people. Especially people in need. Love, learn, serve. It really does, to a large extent, boil down to that. What is God's will for your life? 
It's to work with other believers to love God by loving people. What is God's will for your life? To learn His Word better and better every day. What's God's will for your life? To serve God by serving others. That's it. When we love, learn, and serve, we bring much glory and pleasure to God. Now, you want to know something really cool? As I've shared with you these scriptures, I haven't simply asked that question you had, how can I know God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? That's not only God's will for your life. It's also God's will for my life. To bring glory and honor and pleasure to God. That's not just God's plan and purpose for you. It's God's plan and purpose for me. And catch this. It's also God's purpose and plan for your marriage. God gave you that wonderful spouse so together you could bring him honor and glory and pleasure together as a married couple. It's also God's plan for your family. God created your family to bring him pleasure and to bring him great glory. And God created our church to do that same thing, to bring him pleasure and glory. So loving and learning and serving God by serving others, all of these things can be done as an individual. They can be done as a married couple. They can be done as a church. They can be done in a marriage. They can be done as a family. These are God's purposes for you. Now I know that some of you say, okay, I, I understand that's God's general purpose and plan for my life. But can you be a little more specific, Dean? What is God's specific purpose and plan for my life? What is his custom-made plan for my life? Because I'm a unique person, aren't I? And I would say, absolutely you are. There's not a single person on the planet exactly like you. God created you in unique. He created you special. So doesn't it stand to reason that there is a specific plan for my life that's a little bit different than his plan for you, Dane, or the plan for my, my spouse or someone else in my church? And the answer is yes. God does want you to bring him glory and praise and pleasure. But the specific way that you do that will be a little different than the way he leads me to give him pleasure and glory. And so this is where you're going to have to work at it. I need you to dive into God's word and dig a little deeper than we've been able to go today in a single message. You need to spend some time digging into God's Word and doing it in a prayer-filled way. God, I am every day, whatever you know, I'm going through, this is the job you've given me. I'm going to love you. I'm going to bring you pleasure and glory through this job. Lord, this is the family you've blessed me with. I'm going to bring you glory and pleasure in my family. God, this is the church you've placed me in. I'm going to bring you glory and praise and, and pleasure uh, through this church. You keep doing that every single day. And in the process, you dive into God's word and you seek him in prayer and ask him, Lord, would you reveal some more specifics? What is your specific plan? of how you best want me to bring you pleasure and glory. Uh, we're going to do something exciting next week in our impact groups. Uh, Rick Warren, in one of the books he wrote uh, years ago, uh, calls out uh, five dimensions of being able to determine how God has uniquely wired you, how he has uniquely created you to serve and love him. And so this can be summarized with the acronym SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E. And we're going to be looking at this, not this week, but next week, and I don't want you to miss it. I'm going to work on uh, getting uh, some, uh, some inventories updated, some uh, little guides and, and little inventories that will help you assess 
uh, these five dimensions that are unique to you, uh, a way that God has created you in a special, unique, creative way uh, to serve him in a unique and creative way. And so these five dimensions, we'll put them on the screen for you. The S in shape stands for spiritual gifts. Uh, we're going to do a little inventory in those impact groups and give you an opportunity to determine what your spiritual gifts are. The New Testament mentions over 20 different unique spiritual gifts that God gives to his people. And God's word guarantees that you have at least one of those 20. We're also going to look at the H. The H in shape stands for heart. God has given you certain passions and desires and, and a heart for certain things that are a little bit different maybe uh, than the others in your family. Maybe different than those among your friends. And so God has given you a unique heart and that heart helps determine the specific calling God has put on your life. The A in shape stands for abilities. God has given you uh, certain abilities uh, that uh, you have acquired over the years. Some of those you may have learned before you even became a Christian. Some people are good uh, with uh, fixing cars. Some are good at cleaning homes. Some are good with uh, mechanical uh, understanding of how things work and operate. There are thousands of different abilities that God gives to us over the course of our lifetimes, and they help shape what God has called us to do specifically. The P stands for personality. No news to you, is it? It's not a news flash. You have a unique personality. I have a unique personality. It's probably a good thing. No one's personality on this planet is exactly like mine because sometimes I'm a little out there. And so God gives you a unique personality. And then finally, the E in shape stands for experiences. You have had certain experiences that are unique to you. And so that's your spiritual shape for ministry. Your uh, spiritual gifts uh, fused together with your heart and your abilities and your personality and your experiences. All of those five fused together to help you answer that question. What is God's specific purpose and plan for my life? The general purpose and plan he wants you to bring him great praise, to enjoy him, and to bring him honor and glory. That's the general purpose. And we talked about some ways you do that. Reading his word, praying to him, going to church, soaking it in, uh, love, learn, and serve. All of those we can all do. And then as far as taking it the next step to getting more specifics, I hope that you'll join us for next week's impact groups as we give you an opportunity to take that inventory and it'll reveal, it takes about 30 minutes or so to do, it'll reveal your shape for ministry, how God has uniquely wired you to bring him glory and pleasure. It's a wonderful thing to be able to serve God in a meaningful and powerful way, in a way that God has created you to serve him. God knit you together in your mother's womb. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. And God has a purpose and plan for you. That's a little bit different than his purpose and plan for me. But as we each carry out the specifics, we hope and pray that we will bring him much pleasure and much glory. God bless you, church. I want to lead you in a prayer, especially during this a challenging time as we deal with the uh, coronavirus, as we deal with the stay-at-home order. Uh, we don't know exactly when our church will be able to be back together under the same roof. And so we are bound and determined to continue to present to you high-quality online worship services that you can share with friends and family. Uh, we continue uh, to make sure that we present a great time of worship an opportunity for you to take communion with your family and an opportunity to dive into God's word. I try to work hard every week in presenting to you 
God's word faithfully taught in a way that brings him glory and pleasure. And so uh, continue to join us on Sunday mornings and continue to bring him that pleasure and glory in everything that you do. Let me pray with you, church. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone who has watched and listened to this message today. We thank you for the wonderful privilege you give us. Lord, unlike my precious little dog, Molly, Lord, unlike any other creature in all of this creation, you have uniquely created man and woman. You have uniquely created human beings to love you in a way, Lord, that no creature other than us could love you. Lord, you have uniquely created us in in a way that we can serve you in a way that a Welsh corgi or a cat or a bunny rabbit or a horse could never serve you. Lord, thank you for creating us in your image with wonderful purpose. Lord, thank you for knitting us together in our, our mother's womb. Thank you, Lord, for making us in a fearful and wonderful way. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to carry out your purposes for our lives, those general purposes. Lord, to love, to learn, and to serve you every day of our lives by loving and serving others. Help us, O Lord, to rejoice and give thanks and pray continually in all circumstances. Lord, help us to trust in you with all our hearts and not to lean on our own understanding. Help us, Lord, in everything we say, everything we do, every priority we set, to bring you pleasure and great glory. For this I was made, to bring pleasure and glory to God. For this reason, everyone listening to my voice was made, to bring great pleasure and glory to God. Lord, I pray that you would put a hunger and thirst in each mind and heart that's listening, O God. A hunger and thirst to open your word and to dig deeper, to go beyond what I was able to say in this short message today. To be able to continue to search your scriptures and learn who you are more and more, God, as time passes. To learn more and more about your purpose for their lives. God, I pray for each person who seeks you with all their heart, that just according to your word in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, as they seek you with all their heart, they will find you, O God. As they search for your specific purpose and plan for their lives, I pray they would discover it, O God. Because they're searching for it with all of their hearts. Oh God, I pray for anyone who feels a little bit lost. I pray for everyone, Lord, who feels a little bit distant from you. I pray for everyone, Lord, that's uh, kind of wandering around aimlessly, not uh, really grasping that you have a beautiful plan and purpose for their lives. I pray that right now you would infuse them with hope. Lord, for anyone who's thinking of giving up right now, Lord, I just speak purpose and, and, and love and, uh, and grace and mercy and joy into their lives, O oh God. I pray that no one would throw in the towel this week, but they would embrace that purpose and plan you have for them, that they would accept the fact that you love them, and Lord, you will never leave them or forsake them. Lord Jesus, give us hope. Uh, give us great faith in you, and give us opportunities day in and day out whether it's turning our little omelet in the pan or whether it's reaching out to someone who's homeless or whether it's teaching our kids at home or whether it's reaching out and embracing our spouse or whether it's picking up the phone and calling someone who's hurting. Lord, I pray that every little thing that we do this week, we would bring you pleasure and glory and may we take great joy in knowing that we're bringing you that pleasure and glory. 
May that be our greatest joy in life, to bring joy and pleasure and honor and glory to you, our awesome, awesome God. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. It was a blessing to worship our Lord with you today. Uh, If there's anything that we can do for you, please reach out to us. We're available to pray with you anytime. And we'll be lifting up tomorrow night any prayer requests that you may have uh, shared with us today uh, through either live.greaterimpact.cc on Facebook or by sharing with a prayer counselor. If you want us to lift those prayers up tomorrow night, we'd love to do that for you. God bless you, church. We'll see you next time.